less than a week away until the NFL draft, and I'm checking in on a team that I've always been kind of fond of through friends and family, and one of those friends is here with me today. Ladies and gentlemen, Matt Dats, who Matt Beast is back on the podcast with me after quite a while. But Matt, how are we doing today? Uh, we're doing all right. It's been a busy year. Been a bunch of stuff going on. Um, honestly, haven't been tuned in as much as I normally am, but um, we're still here in spirit and uh, rolling on to the NFL draft, uh, um, which could have been a little bit better um, if some things happened. But you know what? Uh, Got to look at it at some different ways, but we'll get into that. Yeah, yeah, we'll get we'll, we'll get we'll get into that. But that's the thing because like I feel like right now too with me with the NFL season, it's so weird trying to find things to talk about in a general mm-hmm. sense because we're at the point where look off season off season program began Monday, but there's not a lot to report about that. Instead of just like when people want to make a big deal about certain players not attending this this and that when I'm like they're just they're working out they're not doing anything. If it comes to on field stuff and that's when they're not attending, that's when you get concerned. Yep, that's true. And I mean, it's just, it's that time of year. There's not a lot to talk about. People doing their 50th mock draft of the year or their 75th or their 100th. Um, just kind of spacing, uh, waiting in anticipation for something to happen. But uh, hey, at least we did have something happen earlier this week. We did. Wait, I'm thinking what the hell that was. I'm sorry. Jalen Hurts. Oh, yes, that's right, though. Jalen Hurts. Biggest, it's it, that part of me that's shocking more than anything is that Mahomes is now fifth and Allen is sixth on that list of highest paid quarterbacks. Not knocking Jalen. Um, I love his agent though, Nicole Lynn, getting the deal done. Most guaranteed money in NFL history, highest paid quarterback. And the way too that I saw this was the way they structured his contract is fantastic. It, it's very team favorable when it comes to cap stuff with the Philadelphia Eagles. So you have that. But with other quarterback news, I want to ask you, because, look, this question has been asked so far to a Saints fan here. What do you think of Derek Carr? <laughs> what do I think of Derek Carr? Um, obviously, he signed the four-year, $150 million contract deal. Um, if Just a quick summary, if I had to just throw a quick quick synopsis, and then I'll get more into it. I would liken it to about a Kirk Cousins deal. He's about on the level of a Kirk Cousins, if I had to be honest with myself and not be biased. Um, which, I mean, that's not a bad thing. I mean, it's definitely an upgrade from where we were. We were in a quarterback carousel with uh, James Winston, Andy Dalton, not really knowing where we were going, what we were doing, um, post Drew Brees. And we end up getting the guy, Derek Carr, um, looking pretty much like the Raiders have coaching staff from the Raiders. Dennis Allen's a head coach. Derek Carr is a quarterback. Dennis Allen drafted Derek Carr and all that good stuff. But, um I, I definitely liken it to a Kirk Cousins deal where I don't think it is like market shattering where it's just like, oh my God, the Saints are obviously Super Bowl contenders now. We could be playoff contenders in a very weak division, very yeah. weak division. Um, so that's pretty much the Saints saying, hey, we're still going to try and gun for this. Uh, there's a window of opportunity there. Um, just got to wait and see how it pans out with him. Um, but uh what are your thoughts on it? And I can get more in detail on it in a little bit. The way I look at it, it, it gives the team stability at a position they haven't been stable in for two and a half years now. Yeah. Um, it is like it answers your biggest question is when you have quarterback answered and say if other positions are weaker, look, the quarterback can kind of help elevate those weaker positions. Meanwhile, if your quarterback's weaker, it's going to expose those weaker positions. And the position I look at in particular with the Saints is the tight end position. Obviously, that's been a spot where. Look, Juwan Johnson's a good tight end and all, but he's not like, you know, 
like this earth-shattering guy that you want, especially with the tight ends that have come within your division over the last few years. Kyle Pitts, um, playing as a Gronk in, when Gronk had a stint in Tampa Bay, and when Carolina, the only one that comes to mind for there for some reason is Dan Arnold. Uh, besides that, it's just like who I believe now is in Jacksonville. But it Former Saint. Yeah, former Saint. Um, it kind of helps that. But then also, too, what it's going to help in as well is your wide receiver room, which I still feel like the biggest question mark on this team <coughs> is 13. I oh, feel yeah. like even though, look, he's an all-world talent. I love everyone now who all of a sudden who's just like one hit wonder and everyone's like, bro, he did that for like four years beforehand. And then he's been riddled with injuries and stuff. There's the rumors with some of them with Sean Payton's daughter or something like that or some other stuff. And then him and Payton didn't really get along. So we'll see with him. But I think for for Thomas this year, it's a real make it or break it season within the organization, not in the NFL. I feel like if this year doesn't go well, they'll trade him, especially considering, look, Olave is clearly the future number one in New Orleans. Well, next year he would actually be a free agent because he did sign get re-signed to a deal this year, a one-year $10 million deal, which if he performs to uh, about 70% of what he was when he won Offensive Player of the Year, fantastic deal. Yeah. But it's just the thought of getting him on the field. Now, I'm not a New Orleans Pelicans fan, but um, I've heard many people say, hey, if uh, New Orleans sports could just get Michael Thomas on the field for just maybe nine games, maybe get Zion on there for 40 games, they'd be living in luxury. But right now with us having Chris Olave on the team, um, we still have um, uh, Landry, right? Uh, no, Landry's gone. He only had a one-year deal. Oh, um, agent. The the emergence of Rashid Shahid and Chris Olave last year; those two are going to be good weapons. And then, if you are able to get Michael Thomas on the field and healthy, that just adds to that. Um, like you alluded, the tight end isn't very great. Which I mean, that could be something we could see addressed in the draft. Maybe if Dalton Kincaid slides all the way down, I don't know if that's going to happen. Um, I've seen him rise up draft boards lately and him being the top tight end. He could go a little bit early for the Saints pick. Um, but, yeah, I mean, overall, the offense, as far as weapons outside of the – I mean, we did sign Jamal Williams, which, I mean, that's kind of positional. go there next. Yeah, which I love that guy just because I'm a huge anime mark, so um, I'm, I'm big into the stuff, so uh, – Seeing him represent for is always fun, and he's a funny guy. I always love hearing him, so I'm looking forward to those post-game sound bites from him. He also seems like a good character guy to have in the locker room, something I feel like the Saints have been lacking since Drew retired, because a lot of the times when you think of Saints and those like hype-up chants, it's always Breeze who knew how to get the guys together. I feel like he can have fun, but when it's time to go, it's time to go. Yeah, uh, as far as offense goes, he would definitely kind of be a little bit of that guy. I mean, we do have uh, Demario, who's probably the locker room leader, if I had to guess, um, in there just because of his uh, his impact on the team on the yeah. internal side of things. Um, but um, I know Jamal Williams and Cam Jordan, they're probably getting along. They're probably playing Super Smash Bros. tournaments <laughs> in the locker room. They're going to be doing that in the offseason, I imagine. Um, but... Well, the only other thing I was going to say on the anime note is I need you to look this up, but someone basically did today a thread of if ESPN covered Dragon Ball Z. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm going to send it to you. It is hilarious. It's like, um, the one was like um, Stephen A. Smith. It's like when Goku go, the ESPN in the morning after Goku goes Super Saiyan and all this stuff. I'm going to send you the thread. It is, it's hilarious. It's like kind of blew up sports Twitter today. I saw like 
our boy Markeem tweeting about it along with like other guests, Kyrie Thompson. He's the one who actually let me down the rabbit hole of that, so thanks, Kyrie. But um, with Jamal Williams, though, and I know you're a, dynasty, you're a dynasty nerd, and that is said in the highest regard, by the way. That's not meant to be an insult. <laughs> no, no. When it comes to the fantasy football value of those two, I feel like like, because we don't know what's going to happen with Kamara if he's going to start the season. Obviously, he's still doing the legal battles off-field. But I wouldn't buy high on Williams either because of the season he had last year. And I'm not saying he's going to plateau. I'm just saying I feel like it could be one of those things, you know, like the Dal- Dalvin Cook, Alexander Mattinson thing, where it's like he steals touchdowns from – he's uh, Williams steals all those red zone carries from Kamara. Yeah, and I mean, it could happen. Um, and I mean, Jamal Williams, obviously he has a knack for the end zone. I mean, last year, 18 touchdowns, leading the league in rushing touchdowns, obviously. And I mean, uh, alluding back to the dynasty thing, I am a Jamal Williams owner. So uh, <laughs> I was hyped about last season. He pretty much helped carry my running back room because I have him and Kamara. Um, so that's going to be quite a conundrum. But I mean, hey, uh they had seasons where uh, Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara were top 10 running backs. They both went to the Pro Bowl. But there is a suspension that could be looming for Kamara where he might get popped for four to six games, possibly. Um, so that's pretty much why we did bring in Jamal Williams, which, I mean, at the same time, I would like to see maybe the Saints with their third pick and the third round pick, maybe a, even a fifth round pick or possibly look at a look at a younger running back just to have another guy um, besides Jamal Williams. Um that can kind of fill in for Alvin Kamara during the stint. And we need to look towards the future. Cause I mean, these running backs, their shelf life is just so limited. I mean, you see what happened with Ezekiel Elliott. That's why these teams are just so scared. That's why Saquon Barkley gets a tag all the time. They he can't get a contract just because these teams don't want to commit to these running backs. So one thing I was doing as well as multitasking, I was listening to you talk about dynasty and running backs at the same time too. I did DM you the link for the, uh, for it's basically saying it's about uh, what ESPN be like during the cell games. So I'll like I'll have you look at that afterwards. But that's that's the big thing with running backs. Like I know everyone like, and myself included. Look, I'm not the biggest fan of the Daniel Jones forty million dollar deal, but I understand you had to give it to him to get it done. But when it comes to Saquon, if you gave Saquon that you know fifteen sixteen million dollar contract, you're really handicapping yourself because with running backs too, I feel like a lot of the times when they have these big boom seasons, the next season it can be completely downhill. It's kind of like how fantasy football every year there's a new guy going number one in the drafts like how one year jonathan taylor's christian mccaffrey it was uh derrick henry at points and then now it's like i don't know who to take if you're looking at it from a fantasy football standpoint even to josh jacobs got tagged like you don't see running backs signing big contracts it's like wide receiver too and here's the other thing with the running back argument there is a lot of just turnover as well because they're starting to realize, hey, these college kids are coming in and lighting the league on fire right now. Like, look at Brees Hall before he got hurt last year with the New York Jets. Rodri Stevenson with the Patriots. I'm giving these examples, obviously, close to my close to my home, close to my division. Um, even this year, too, you're probably going to see the emergence of Chuba Hubbard in your division as well with the Carolina Panthers, which I want to go down that rabbit hole for a second because I talked about this with Markeem last week, and I want to talk to you because it's your division. And I'm saying this right now on record. I know they have the number one overall pick. I know they're making a lot of good coaching hires. I don't want to drink the Kool-Aid again because I did it two years ago, and I and that Kool-Aid tasted disgusting. Yeah, hey, that 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 two years ago, I mean, they just had a really favorable set of opponents, and when they played the Saints, the Saints were COVID, right? Battered, COVID, coaches all done. Um, plus, that was an awful experience listening to that game because for some reason, my town. 
was like wiped out of cell service and TV service. I, I think I remember no you talk, coming yeah. on here talking about this. It was it was so it was so weird. I had to w- listen to it on the radio in my car. It was awful. Um, never listened to a Saints game on the radio since then, or even before then. But um, I mean, yeah, I mean the Panthers. Um, yeah, well, like you said, I probably wouldn't really drink the Kool Aid too much on them. Um, obviously, they're gonna there's gonna be some growing pains with the new quarterback. Um, which I mean, a lot of signs are pointing that to be Bryce Young. Um, but it really could go either way. You never know. I mean, things could switch next week, and it could be CJ Shroud. Um, I know the Texans are definitely um, eyeing what they do, um, for sure. Um, I know the Falcons have definitely made a lot of moves. I actually have to look up and see what they have done. So I would honestly kind of be looking more at the Falcons a little bit. Um, But, I mean, everyone's going to obviously be looking at the Panthers just because they're going to have that shiny new quarterback. Yeah, I feel like the the Panthers are going to be that team, you know, everyone overreacts to. Everyone kind of says, like, oh, look at this team. They're like, they're bright, they're flashy, they're this. Atlanta's made some good defensive moves. They added uh, a couple of Saints. I think uh, who is it? Who is it? They added Caden Ellis, and I yeah. believe they added David Onyemata as well. Exactly. Like I said, I the honor the not honorary Canadian University of Manitoba. Um, Jesse Bates went there. They just they, thought they, they they did a whole lot of moves to where I'm like, okay, you're getting better defensively because I feel like they don't want to get into shootouts. But at the same time, too, I'm just like their offense besides. Drake London, like, look, we haven't seen anything from Kyle Pitts yet, so I want to see if he makes that year three leap. And then a quarterback, you're really leaving it to Desmond Ritter, and I don't know who their backup is at the moment. So Atlanta's that team where I'm like... Heineke. Yeah, exactly, Heineke, which I feel like if the second that um, Ritter falters, they're going to go to Heineke, but I just can't see Atlanta being more than, like, a seven-win team. I I just don't know what it is. I feel like they're going to be that team that they're always in games, but look... The thing about seven wins, though, is that can almost win you this division. Yeah, but that's the thing, though. I still feel like the Saints are going to be an 8-9 and nine or 9-8 nine and eight football team. That's how I feel uh, about I them. Agree. I think there's going to be some games where it's like we could have won, but we didn't. And then there's going to be some games where, you know what, you got a couple wins here that you had no business getting and just feasting on your opponents. And then the one team, though, and I saw this coming from a mile away, but the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, it's – Hold your breath if you're a Bucks if you're still a Bucks fan, and I say that too because I feel like a lot of people like cheered for them when Brady was there, and then the second Brady left, it's just like, oh, okay, cool. And I know everyone still like to say the whole, he's gonna come back, he's gonna come back, but I'm just like, his retirement announcement seemed too legit. The fact that it was him announcing it on his, he went on on his own terms. I'm just like, he's done. So I feel like right now, if you have to pick a division winner, I I just have to go with your Saints because, look, you have probably the most stable quarterback situation in the league. You have the offensive weapons, and then defensively, too, this team is still good. It's just, I think, cornerback is the the two positions I want to see the Saints improve in is corner and then sure up the offensive line, just because I know for years it's been players coming in and out. You want to see Ruiz develop. You obviously have Ramchak, but then I know like Eric McCoy, and, and there's a couple other guys that I'm blanking on. I'm blanking on who plays left guard for them. Andrew yeah, Pete's left guard, and then it, no, it's, it's not guard, it's, it's tackle. Uh, Trevor Penning would be the left tackle, but he played literally like two or three games last year, so we got to wait and see how he's going to pan out. And I want to see that cycle beat the shit out of someone. <laughs> like for everyone going, like, this guy's a maniac, what the hell is he? I'm like, he's a fucking football player when he says stuff like that with a stone-cold look on his face. That's so you know, like, he's a guy that just loves this game. Oh, yeah, and I mean, 
overall, as bad as the division is going to be, I think they're all going to be kind of in the mix. Um, they could they could all realistically be around six to nine wins. Um, if I had to kind of rank it, it'd probably be the Panthers, Falcons, Bucks, Saints. I think the Bucks are going to be kind of sneaky good. People are going to be sleeping on them. But, I mean, the core from what they've had is still there. I mean, last season they weren't that good, obviously, but they still have that kind of initial core. And if Baker can go out there and just be average, uh, average I mean, he could get to six, seven wins. Um, it could happen. My thing with him is just how will the connection and chemistry be with your two receivers? Because I feel like if the if the Bucks have a bad year this year, I think it's just going to be a wholesale fire sale kind of thing where, look, one of those two is going to be gone this time next year. Uh, but we'll have to wait and see what happens. But I just – with the Buccaneers, it's just their stupid decision-making that I'm used to from Todd Bowles to where I'm like, I can't trust you. But then with the Saints, I'm kind of like – in the Saints, I'm kind of like, look, it's a been there, done that in a way to where – a lot of the core that was there for when I actually saw former guest John Hendricks tweet about this today about what Saints season was the best season overall. And that was 17-18. There's still a fair bit of players left from that season. So like the main leaders in the locker room, like Davis, Jordan, Ramchek, Lattimore, etc. So they kind of know, hey, how to get there. And even still, like the last couple of years, I know you guys missed the playoffs, but you've always been there up until the very last game. And that's somewhere where you want to be if your team's not bad. Yeah, that's for sure. We've been in the middle of the pack. It's it's kind of like um, before we had that resurgence of the 2016 kind of era draft yep. um, where we were in that seven and nine purgatory for three years straight. Um, that's where we've been um, the past couple of years. And um, the main thing I'm worried about going into this season, and I know you alluded to it with cornerback corner and then the offensive uh, line. Personally, my main thing I'm worried about is the defense um, as, as an overall thing because we've had so many coaches leave. Um, we had, um, Chris Richard leave. We had Ryan Nielsen leave. He's now the Falcons defense coordinator. The Falcons just gutting and taking everything from the saints. Caden Ellis, David Arnold for that. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, so now our new defense coordinator is Joe Woods. Um, we have a new defensive line coordinator with, uh, Todd, Todd Grantham, uh, Marcus Robinson in the secondary. Um, those are all three new defensive coach and we got to and i mean dennis allen's he's the defensive guy so maybe we, we won't see too much of an impact um but there is the whole fact of the matter that our defensive line depth was just shot um this offseason granted some of those people could have gone anyways because i mean um marcus davenport he never really kind of panned out and of course the one team that picked him up is the vikings because i specifically remember a sunday night football game where Marcus Davenport destroyed the, the, the Vikings <laughs> offensive line. And they saw that and they said, we got to have this guy. We're going to take a flyer on him, see if he works out. Um, I, feel like, I feel like the Vikings do that so often. They're like when there's players that cook them and they're just like, okay, we're going to sign you. So you never hurt us again. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, but we need to wait and see if, uh, if we're going to regret not bringing him back. But I, I mean, he showed flashes but he just never lived up to those uh, two first-round picks. Marcus two first, as the Saints fan base affectionately calls him, um, because it never just kind of materialized. But And we also lost both of our defensive tackles, Shai Tuttle and David Onyemata. We did re-sign or sign two new ones, um, but they've always been kind of um, auxiliary pieces on other defensive lines of Nathan Shepard and Kalen Sanders. Um, I would like to see the Saints uh, go either edge or defensive interior in this draft, maybe both, um, honestly. 
with the first and second pick that they have. Um, I think that would be smart to get more depth on there because, I mean, Cam George is not getting any younger. I don't know what Peyton Turner is. Uh, maybe he could do something. But at this point, whenever the Saints take kind of like a project with a prototypical build, uh, RAS score off the charts, it just hasn't worked at defensive end lately with Peyton Turner or Marcus Davenport or Peyton Turner so far or Marcus Davenport. But uh, um, I kind of hope they kind of just go for – kind of that guy that could be consistent. Like when they took Cam Jordan at 28, um, I think it was 28 that they took him uh, the year they took him. Um, his first year, he didn't really do much, but he just exploded on and he's been great ever since, obviously. But I'm just like hoping. one of those players that you know from the jump, you're like, you see something where you're like, this guy's good. Oh yeah, for sure. And that's kind of what I would like them to go for. Um, I'm not going to lie. I haven't done too much research on it, but um, I would just kind of want – I know there was one guy out of Alabama I was looking at. Um, he's kind of like a defensive outside linebacker type guy. So he's kind of smaller, so I don't know how that would really fit into our defense. But if, if you say Brian Branch, I really want him in New England. But um, that's the thing with this year's draft, though. There's players that are good at every single position. There's not like a bad – like, you know, some classes like last year, the quarterback class wasn't exactly good like this year. It's a good quarterback class. The running backs are good. Receivers are good. Tight ends are good, which I feel like is rare when you have multiple tight ends in a draft that are looked on as good. Like you obviously have Kincaid, you have Mayer, you have Washington, you even have Schoonmaker. Uh, you have Christian Latu, who's going to be a day two or day three pick. Um, and then even offensive line, defensive line, linebackers, which that's the position I feel like the Saints are most secured at when it comes to defense with Davis. And then hopefully Warner continues to establish himself as a, solid NFL linebacker as well. And then with the DBs and the safeties, you're going to find players at all positions. It's just really about how do they pan out? That's a big, big question mark with this draft is, okay, you scratch your lottery ticket. Now you hope when you bring it to the store and cash it, it makes the funny winter noise, which in Canada, in Ontario, we have a thing that goes, it basically makes noise and it just screams out winter. So if you have that happen, great. Um, as far as the secondary, though, with the Saints, I feel pretty confident in it. Alante Taylor was a good rookie last year. Um, Lattimore's still there, obviously. Adebo's a good guy as well. The safety's pretty good. Marcus May and Tyron Matthew. So those, honestly, don't see the Saints really taking. I know quite a few people, I've seen them, they should probably take a cornerback, but I'm just really worried about that front seven. And, I mean, Pete Warner's kind of a question mark with injuries. Um, Davis is obviously a staple, but he's not getting any younger himself. Yeah. Um, so just obviously, if honestly, if they spent this whole draft, if they just drafted, they honestly should just draft one running back somewhere. Honestly, you could probably even take an undrafted running back at some point because sometimes they just pop off. Um, but honestly, if they spent all their draft picks on defense, just the just the uh, front seven, I would not be mad at all because they just need to upgrade that overall. Um, obviously, like you're saying, offensive line would be a big help but um i'm just kind of worried about that front seven man and like look because if you have a good front seven it can make the world a difference last year the patriots eight and nine team our front seven was electric Dietrich wise matthew judon uh christian barmore juan bentley you had these players that are making plays and getting to the quarterback so if you can get that and bully offensive lines around your sets, even if you have a bad offensive game, the defense can help bail you out and win some football games. So I completely get that. Um, but with this year, they'll look. This happens every year. I've already been making a list of coaches I think are, that are on the hot seat. 
do you think Dennis Allen is on the hot seat, or do you think the season has to go really bad for you for him to not be with the team next year? I think we would have to win like three to four games for him to really be like, yeah, you got to go like now. Um, and I know some people were kind of on the fence, like, man, maybe we should be looking already after this year. But I, I mean, hey, he won seven games. It wasn't awful. Um, it was just kind of middle of the road. Um, but I, I think it would have to go really bad. Like, he would have to be really bad. And like I said, that three to four wins, then maybe they would talk about it. But I think he has the trust of this front office um, to go forward and um, go out and do what needs to be done. Um, that being said, if it's another mediocre season, um, I think he goes into next season with a little bit of the seat being hot, but not too hot. Um, if you're seeing mediocrity in that third season, um, depending on how it all falls out, you might be talking about it. But as far as his position with the hot seat, I don't think it's very hot at all currently. Uh, no, I get that. I get that. So where this year, if it's like status quo, it's going to be, hey, next year, it's like, look, we got to see improvement. Next year's the year where the Saints really have to take a leap and go forward. Because when I look at it this year, look, I was really critical of Derek Carr in Vegas, but I feel like he's got the chip on his shoulder now to where he could be better. And at the same time, too, he's got the proper coaching staff around him. He's got a solid defense around him now, too, like a better defense than what's in Vegas currently at the moment. So we'll have to wait and see what happens. Um, with the draft and everything, and obviously college is a big part of this, I want to shift to your college team. Is there any Razorbacks we should be looking out for in the draft, in your opinion, or do you think it's all next year when a boy named KJ is going to be highly talked about? Um, well, I mean, I've seen uh, Drew Sanders. He's a really good linebacker. I've seen him um, going maybe even in the first round, and I mean, hey, having him and Burks going back-to-back years in the first round be a big W for the program. Um, overall, so I think he would be the guy to look for. Um, I've seen him going, seen him mocked quite a bit to like the Bills in the late in the last bit of the first round. So, um, kind of hoping to see if he can go on day one, and I'd be excited for him in the program. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, those guys are always good. Like when you can get them like late day one guys, like day two kind of players. You know, like even if they go day two, because like with Arkansas football, I feel like. Look, I don't know which coach is more intensity or zing to them. Is it Musselman or is it uh, Pittman? That's the thing I'm trying to figure out right now. Like, which uh, which coach is a little more on the psycho side? And I only say that because, look, all football coaches, you have to be a psychopath to be a football coach. Um, yeah, they're all crazy in some ways. Exactly. And then, I just like I said, I feel like next year it's going to be K.J. Jefferson. I feel like that's going to be the big player to talk about because next year's quarterback class, look, if you have a team that's going to be bad and actually have a hot take that I've said before in this podcast, I'm going to say to you in a minute, if you if you think your team's going to be bad, look, you have some good quarterbacks coming out of next year. Yeah, and I don't know how K.J. would do at an NFL level, but um, speaking on that, I mean, I didn't really know how I felt about Jalen Hurts at NFL level, and I look at the guy, he's a top-paid quarterback in the league. Um, so, I mean... Granted, comparing college Jalen Hurts and college KJ Jefferson is quite different to me. Um, yeah. But I mean, we'll just we'll just kind of see how it goes, and uh, I kind of hope to keep up more with them this season. It's just been 
kind of kind of a lot keeping up with everything lately <laughs> <laughs> it's just so that's just how life gets in the way like i had a conversation with a friend yesterday because he literally just like that's the thing with me i'm in my 30th year like i turned 30 later this year he turned 30 yesterday and i was asking if he's doing a party and he said and for you folks asking, oh, why are you telling stories like this? Guys, it's the offseason. Shit happens. Um, he was asking me about, like, oh, well, why? Like, it would be awkward. You know, we haven't seen anyone in a while. Like, everyone's so distant. And I was just like, dude, everyone's got full-time jobs. Everyone's got, you know, shit to do. Everyone lives in different parts of, like, the city or, like, different parts of the, for us, province or for you, state. So we're in that era now in that lifestyle where it's like, you're not going to see everyone. And besides, too, like, when I get home from work, I just either want to chill. Sometimes I come on here and talk because, look, I got to keep up with it. I haven't said it yet. This is episode 226. So I got that. And then there's other stuff, too. So I tell them, I'm like, just because you don't see someone in a while. Like, I have to explain this to my parents all the time. Like, when, you know, like, I don't see a friend for a while. And they're like, are you guys still friends? And I'm like, yeah, it's just, look, people are busy. It's just shit happens. So I completely get where you're coming from. But at the same time, too, I use this and I use sports as a whole as like an escape haven for when life gets busy or life gets stressful. Oh, yeah, that's true. And that's what it's there for. That's what it's there for. Because, I mean, you got NBA playoffs going on going on right now. And, unfortunately, the old uh, Thunder didn't really get, get to get in there. Hey, look, we both got eliminated on the same night. So that's all I can say about that. Um but I, with the NBA, though, I find, I looked at the schedule today, and I found it so weird that the Lakers were tipping off at 7.30, like the Lakers-Grizzlies game, but then the Heat and Bucks are going at 9. I'm like, why not put the Bucks game at 7.30 and then put the Grizzlies game at 9? You know, I'm like, put the East Coast team in the East Coast time and put the Western Conference teams in the Western Conference times. Yeah, that is a uh, kind of a weird schedule mishap there. Yeah. I also just don't like with the NBA how, like, so many of the games are, like, two nights off between games. I'm like, guys, just do back-to-back-to-back. I understand with certain teams there's arena conflicts because of NBA and hockey playoffs. That's the other thing I'm busy with right now, too. But at the same time, too, I'm just like, guys, we got to figure gotta figure something out here, you know? Yep, that's true. Yeah. That, 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 that's just it. So we'll have to figure that out. But anyway, oh, by the way, my hot take for next year is... So, you know how, look, Kyler Murray tore his uh, tore his ACL and everything like that? Mm-hmm. If they have the number one overall pick next year, I have a hypothetical belief that you're going to get a way to get rid of his contract and you're going to take Caleb Williams number one overall. I mean, uh, I could see it. I mean, um, the new regime and everything might want a different quarterback. You've seen that quite a few times where um, these head coaches want their guy in their system. And they want to pick their guy and have it be their team and not like a leftover from another regime. So it could be possible. And I mean, you always hear so much stuff on Twitter and everything about Kyler Murray wanting to go play Call of Duty or how his QBR drops 10 points or whatever, whenever the Call of Duty has double XP weekends or whatever. Like that. And then even the whole phase, I don't know if you saw it, but phase clan, apparently it's like just gone like borderline bankrupt. And also I'm going to say this too. You gave me the name for this podcast episode just by like the way you said guy. I'm just like with a southern accent. I'm like, oh my god, I love that. I'm like, their guy. I'm like, I'm a little this that's it. This is two, episode two twenty six, their guy. That's all. <laughs> just gotta get the correct grammar on that. Um, but no, like I always have these takes every year. Like mine last year was that Zeke would not be a cowboy for twenty three, and that's right. And then in twenty one, my take was Cooper was not gonna be a cowboy in twenty two and Cooper got traded to the Browns because I'm like, that's a cap casualty right there. And then the other one, too, and you probably know this as well, but mine was the Fire and Fick Fangio train in 2020. And Big Rat knows exactly where that was going. So 
That's the thing. So that's my take right now is that I can see a world where that happens. Also, too, just because I'm like, the Cardinals are in that weird club. Not weird. It's a sad club to be in where you know your 2023 is probably not going to be good. They could surprise people, but at the same time, too, I just look at the Cardinals as one of those teams where I'm like, you're not going to get Kyler back till October or November, and we don't know how healthy he's going to be. Yeah. Because so that's just the thing with that. Yeah, that's true. I could definitely see that happening, and um, maybe they trade Kyler. Maybe they they're going to have options if they do t- turn out to be that bad, where they're going to have um, that top pick. Um, they could trade the pick. They could trade Kyler. Um, there's definitely going to be many options on the table. It'll be interesting. And it's not like there's a team out there that probably wouldn't take him. The teams will want to take him and stuff like that. Like it's just one of those things where it'll make it work. If we saw what Deshaun Watson went for. Kyler Murray could get a similar uh, trade package. And if you're the Cardinals, you take it. Like the Bears, everyone's saying this year, yo, trade fields, this, this. I'm just like, no, you you trade back, you take the picks, and you more not mortgage your future, but you invest in your future because you know that, hey, we're building something special here. Yeah, and I mean, that's one of the good things. If you already have that quarterback that you feel confident in and you feel like you can build around that for the future and you have that really high pick asset, um, Seeing those teams trade and get like three first round picks, I'm just like, man, if this was the Saints, I don't know what I'd do. I'm so used to the Saints trading picks away. I'm not used to them gaining picks. I mean, they gained a pick out of Sean Payton out of thin air, thankfully, um, to get back into the first, which I mean, whenever I do think about that 10th pick going to the Eagles, I just think back, hey, if we did not trade that pick, we would not have Chris Olave. And I think that's about fair. It makes me feel a little bit better about myself at that. The situations like that, it's really a double-edged sword to where it's just like, hey, there's the good end, but then there's the bad end too, but you want to focus on the good. Because I feel like we also, like with life today, everyone likes to focus on the bad ends where I'm like, guys, glass half full, look at the good side of things where it's like, hey, well, look, we maybe don't have 10th pick, we have 25, but at 25, you're still going to get a solid player. Plus, I'm on a team where I'm a, I'm a fan of a team that like, always trade back, so I'm expecting the Patriots to do that. And with your comment earlier about mock drafts, I'm done doing that. I have three <laughs> positions in mind that I think the Patriots need to go after, and that's offensive line, that's wide receiver, that's cornerback. If they end up with any one of those three next Thursday night, you're going to see me very happy. Oh, yeah, definite, definite on the wide receiver. And I wonder if the Vegas line, speaking of wide receivers in New England, I wonder if the over-under on TikToks filmed in the locker room is like under two. 2.5. That's probably the over-under. Bill Belichick will probably cut that out day one. I feel like he's not – He's not. A, I don't think he's in the off-season program right now, Juju, but I feel like he'll do stuff away from the field or, like, before practice. But I feel like like it's one of those things where he understands, like, look, when it's time to go, it's time to go. Because you see, like, the stuff Matt Judon does, Kendrick Bourne. Like, they're very – like, these, these Patriots are a lot more active on social media than, like, the past Patriots, like the pre – like, the Tom Brady regime Patriots. They weren't really – big on social or anything like that like how max shuts us down completely during the season but um i think it's one of those things where it'll be a thing but it's not going to be a distraction when it comes to him playing football and i guess the number one question right now is uh does bill belichick have an inside to the supreme court uh and all the votes for banning tiktok right now um that'd be interesting i know i know that's a low-hanging fruit joke to make um but yeah that would be interesting but um but yeah i mean I like the kid on Juju, but I mean, he has talent, um, obviously. And I said this too, that the reason they went out and got him for Myers was because of Yak. It's, it's, it's simply that. Juju can get the ball and run. Meanwhile, Jacoby was getting tackled a lot, so we'll see what ends up happening. But 
the AFC East, I still think, is going to be what... This is my other take. The AFC East this year is what I think everyone thought the AFC West was going to be last year. Yeah, I could see that. And, I mean, we're all, obviously all still on standby waiting for uh, dark room man Aaron Rodgers to make his decision. Uh, he still been... thinks if they don't have that... If that trade is not done by next Thursday... The Packers are going to take a massive L on that. Oh, yeah, because they're going to lose a lot of value because any trades that happen um, after um, the draft, I mean, the value just goes way down. I mean, you saw the Saints give up uh, Gardner Johnson for absolutely nothing after the season, which, I mean, granted, look at how his offseason went with the Eagles. And, I mean, now he's already bashing Detroit. Yeah, sounds a nothing deal in Detroit, and he's already bashing the Eagles. I mean – it's just that guy, he's a he's definitely a character concern. And, I mean, when it comes to his contract disputes, he is very, very, very vocal. Um, and that's one reason why the Saints traded him, because he was already being vocal about that. But, I mean, um, but that, that's just kind of one kind of off example. But, I mean, just the trade value just goes way down, and there's nothing you can really capitalize, like, right off the bat. Um, it kind of sucks if you have to trade somebody and you don't get a pick until the next season. That's the thing, because if it's a 2024 and a 2025 first, I'll say this too, if the, if the Jets can get rid of a 23 and a 24, I think it'll do them better. If you get rid of a 25 first, potentially when Aaron's gone, you're really setting yourself up for a bad situation unless you're unless they win a championship. But we'll have to wait and see what happens there. Um, also, too, I would not be remiss if, and I almost missed this, I also would be remiss if we did not mention the fact, and we want to send our best kudos to DeMar Hamlin, who's been cleared to return to football action, which to think that three months ago he was laying lifeless on the field in Cincinnati to now, look, he's doing the offseason program. He's been cleared to play. I thought it would be like a June or July thing at the earliest, but the fact that April 18th he got cleared for football action was incredible to see. That That is that is a good story, and, I mean, obviously everyone uh, was cheering for him. Yeah, I was cheering for him and rallied around that. And I mean, to see someone come back from something like that will be inspiring. So I do hope the best for him. Um, I'm sure it's going to be uh, difficult at times, but um, I hope the best for the guy. Same here. That's the thing I hope for. I still feel like with him, there's going to be a lot of hurdles before you actually see him on the field. I feel like it's going to be that thing like where that first hit's going to be that moment of like, okay, cool, we're back in this. But yeah. you know what? It's just upward and onward from here for him, and that's that's all that's all we can hope for, and that's all we got, and that's what we're happy to see. So we just want to send our best to him before we got down to anything else. Yep, that's true. And I know you always hear it a lot. Now how you said it, it's always after that first hit, they know they can go. That's that's always the main thing. But um, yeah, just hope the best for the guy. Exactly, exactly. But anyway, Matt, we are eight days away from the draft. Blast getting to talk to you again. We'll have to do this again sometime soon. Maybe after the draft, we'll see how you are. You're feeling with your Saints and everything like that. And then we'll go from sure. there. But, guys, next Tuesday night, we've got a banger for you for the draft preview show. The podcast's favorite rivalry is making a return as of now. Things are scheduled to change. But I think Matt knows exactly what I'm talking about. Twitter's greatest rivalry Dolphins, Jets, Big Rat, Danny, and myself are here to preview, look at the draft, throw shit at each other's teams. It's going to be a lot, a lot of fun, and I can't wait to do it next week. And guys, as always, look up Matt on Twitter. Great follow if you want Saints content. Cryer Media for all your independent journalistic views for where you can find this podcast on in all podcast platforms, guys. I got to take you out with the signature Cryer Media outro now. Anyway, guys, this has been episode number 226 of YWC Football Talk. Have a good night, everybody. And remember, 
Draft day is right around the corner. Who did? Do, did, will. The Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have faults. He had the same amount of faults as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.